You know, people can be great, but they can also be really annoying. Why can't they all leave me alone so I can get on with the business of being spiritual? Welcome to Consciously, a podcast focused on honest conversation by regular people and for regular people seeking spiritual growth. Hey, Consciously, it's Menachem. It's the end of the month, and you know what that means. It's a step episode. We are up to step five. Last month, we talked about step four, about uncovering, discovering, and hopefully in the future, discarding all the pain that keeps us focused on ourselves. Because pain has a way of doing that, so now that leads us to step five. But first, we want to ask you to please subscribe to the podcast. Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you take your podcasts. Also, uh, keep a close eye on The Light Revealed, Consciously62 on Instagram and Facebook for some great content. We finished a great series before uh, Shavuot, and I've been struggling a little bit to kind of get my creativity going, but I'm sure it'll come back. Um, actually, I wrote something today I think is great. So check those out. Great thought-provoking material. Um, that's really good. Also, you can always find us on the Intentional Jew Podcasting Network, Intentional Jew Dot com, And please be sure to check out my book, Consciously Six Steps to Living Vibrantly with Our Creator in Jewish Bookstores Online, Mosaic Press. It's listed in the episode description. Okay, so step five. So for those of you who are unaware, step five is admitted to God, ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Um, kind of functionally, what it looks like is someone sits down with their 12-step sponsor and shares all their laundry, all of it, the dirty stuff, the bad stuff, the good stuff, all of it. Uh, it's, a, it's a very powerful uh, phase of the recovery process because for many people in recovery, it's, it really amounts to the first time that they've been totally vulnerable and honest with another human being, even for individuals that have, let's say, been in therapy. You know, therapy can be a wonderful environment for vulnerability and sharing and honesty. But at the end of the day, you're paying the person and they're obligated to be confidential. The beautiful part about step five is that you're sitting, um, actually, just to kind of be fair, you know, the, the instructions for step five include the option to do step five with anybody, a doctor, therapist, et cetera, et cetera. But the way that it's practiced in recovery cultures, um, it really kind of amounts to the first time that someone sits down with a peer or a mentor and really gets real. Uh, and oftentimes what happens in the recovery process is um, the mentor will share sometimes some of his or her dirty laundry to kind of show the person that we're here on equal footing and you're here to share yourself fully. And as someone who works with people in recovery, it's remarkable to see the incredible impact that this exercise has. Uh, not so much because uh, it's a kind of a, a voyeurism kind of, you know, because people can go on social media today and vomit out all of their feelings, but really how much or to what degree human, true human intimate interactions are truly healing. The way in which God made us as humans so that being with other human beings for real truly, truly heals us. Now, one of the really powerful ideas that's brought down in the Hasidic texts, this is actually brought down many, many times in Nesiva Shalom, uh, which is the Slonim Rebbe, but in other places, and he quotes it from the Maharalmi Prague, 
um, that there's really a triangle of relationships. Uh, a triad, I think is the word that exists within somebody's life. There's a person's relationship with themselves. There's a person's relationship with others, and there's a person's relationship with God. In the reflection in Torah, there's an idea of ben adam lechavero, uh, the obligations one has towards their fellows, ben adam lemakom, the obligations one has towards their maker, and and then obviously the person's you know their experience of themselves. Now, what's really powerful that also comes up in the Hasidic text is that one of the fundamental laws in Judaism is the uh, the obligation to love other people. To love your fellow like yourself. And one of the things that's discussed, and this is explicitly in Chabad Hasidus, uh, the Alter Rebbe of Chabad, the Rebbe brought this up numerous times, uh, which is that the, the obligation, to love your fellow Jew like your own, like yourself, is an obligation to love yourself, which implies that you have to love yourself. But not only that, what's pointed out is that oftentimes it feels as though our obligations to people are in conflict with our obligations to God. Like, I'd love to help you right now, but I have to you know, go to synagogue, you know, so I'm busy serving God. I don't have time for you. And yet it's a mitzvah in the Torah to love other Jews. It's not only a mitzvah, it's the mitzvah. Zeklal gadol b'Torah. This is a a fundamental teaching. Uh, Hillel Hazakin, the Hill of the Elder, said that it's the entirety of the Torah is and everything else is just explanation. The entirety of Torah is really just bringing a person to a place where they can truly love their fellow, like themselves. So after we have to love ourselves, we have to love others. And then we have to love God. And the Alter Rebbe said, one, it was once posed to him, uh, as a famous story, that it was once posed to the Alter Rebbe, if a person has to choose between loving God and loving their fellows, then who, what should they pick first? And the Alter Rebbe said, there's no difference. They're one and the same. Because you see, God loves people. And if you don't love people, then it's lacking in your love of God. It's kind of being introduced as this kind of three-part relationship, myself, others, God. And then in one of the most famous chapters in the Tanya, Paraglamid Bays, which is known as the Lave of Tanya, the Heart of Tanya, Yatarab explains that the key to being able to love others is to stop seeing oneself as physical, as a material human, but rather to see oneself as a spiritual being having a human experience, as they say. As one of the classic elders uh, in Alcoholics Anonymous once put it, kind of blew my mind, he pointed in well, there was an audio, but it was clear what was happening. He pointed to someone in the room and he said, everyone thinks that that's Frank, but that's not Frank. That's just where Frank lives. See, we're not physical beings. We're spiritual beings. We're souls. We're spirits. So what the Alter Rebbe explains in Tanya, making a lahav deal between, you know, Chuck Chamberlain, uh, AA legend, and uh, obviously, is that as a person evolves their perspective on themselves, as a person comes to better appreciate themselves, better understand themselves, understand that they are a, a spiritual being, a chelak elokam mimal mamish, even goes on to say, right? A literal piece of God, a chelak, a, a portion of God's essence. As a person starts to understand that and inculcate that into his perspective on life, he starts to see that all the people around him, even the annoying ones, even the ones that maybe are doing bad things, also have this spark of divinity in them. And so he becomes capable of truly loving another as he loves himself.
Because you see, when we build love for ourselves, the Hasidic books explain, that's focused on our essence, on our being, based on the acknowledgement of us being a chilek al-kawimah mamash, of being spiritual beings, then we love the essence of ourselves. We love God, because God is at our essence. And then we can love other people in that same way, in that same enriched and substantive depth-oriented love. But when our love for ourselves is the type of love that's based around what we like about ourselves, right? Which is called a hava shatliya bedavar, right? It's love that's based on a thing. Well, I like that about myself. I'm a good guy. I like myself. He's a good guy. I like him because he's a good guy. But what happens if I stop being a good guy? Then suddenly I don't like myself. And when he does stuff that I don't like, I don't like him either. So now what the Hasidic texts teach us is that love for oneself that we're talking about here is not some reliant love. It's not a love that's reliant upon an externality. It's an essential love. It's a deep sense of caring for my life and well-being. For many of us as parents, the, the most acute way to connect with this is the way in which we love our kids the minute they come out. You know, the minute they're born, we love them in a way that we never could have anticipated otherwise. We never could have imagined loving another person in that way, and we don't even know them. They may be obnoxious. They'll likely at some point kind of annoy us. So when it says love your fellow like yourself, what it means is to begin to strip away the layers of liking people because of their externalities. I mean, it's nice to admire people for their strengths, but to begin to like and to love people around you because of who they truly are, which is a spiritual being. In Parak Lamed Bays of Tanya, he does a beautiful dialectic where he talks about being able to hate, let's say, bad things that people do while we can still love them for who they are. So getting back to the topic at hand, what we're talking about here in step five is the kind of healing and meaningfulness that comes from disclosing oneself to another. And what's really powerful about the way in which the 12 steps prescribes this is it says, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. It's like getting real with ourselves, getting real with our God requires getting real with another person. And getting real with another person is getting real with God and getting real with ourselves because they're all interconnected. And when we do that, tremendous healing comes about. And because when we sit with another person and we disclose ourselves in a full way, dropping all pretense, letting go of all the false masks that we cover ourselves up with, what happens is tremendous healing. And based on the teachings of Tanya and Hasidus and the Maharal, what we can see is the reason why that's so healing is because we're beginning to relate to ourselves as a spiritual being having a human experience. That becomes most acutely real when we're with other people, when we welcome other people into our lives. And that opens the door for us to see truth, to see reality, to get feedback, to see that we look at the world through a subjective lens of our own experience. But as we begin to share our lives with other people, and then by extension to share our lives with God, we start to see the world through a new dimension. We're not looking at the world through a single dimension. We're looking at the world three-dimensionally. And part of that three-dimensional process of looking at the world is that everything that we experience has three different sides. There's like what I experience, how I experience maybe others wronging me, why God, my higher power, the universe, put that in my life. And then there's what they experience and maybe what they see as my part that brought about this situation. And you see what happens is when you stop looking at the world one dimensionally, 
and start looking at it three-dimensionally, you start to get a sense that the world is not some drama that's playing out and you're the main character, but rather reality, history, your life is a complex tapestry of spiritual experience that the creator is directing. And we, all of us, are participating in. That by opening our panemius, our, the interior of our lives, to another person, we start to be able to see that they have an interiority to their lives. And when then they share their interiority with us, that also strips away the layers of the one-dimensional self-centeredness that we often utilize to look at the world. And then as we develop this interior panemi, authentic, unpretentious view of reality and interaction with other people, we can start to recognize the presence of God and everything changes. And if you haven't experienced a step five, because you're not in recovery and you're wondering why you're making such a big deal out of it, the fifth step is actually recognized throughout the recovery world as the key component that makes it possible for someone to have some semblance of a long-term recovery. Not that people don't need to continue their, their work of the steps and their spiritual process and their growing and their health, and there's always iterations and ups and downs within anyone's life, but that the key component to be able to see whether someone's going to make it or not is if they can get past this step. You see, because recovery from addiction, as we've been talking about throughout this series, is a recovery from the spiritual malady of self-centeredness that keeps us thirsty. It keeps us lying on the riverbank, dying of thirst, because we can't muscle up the courage to overcome our pride, to go down and ask someone to help us take a drink of the water. And what's the water? As we've been talking about, the water is spirit. The water is spirituality. As Carl Jung quoted in a letter he wrote to Bill Wilson on this idea of the foundation of alcoholism, chronic relapse, being a spiritual thirst, as the deer thirsts for water, so does my soul pine for you, thirst for you, God. Because he had come up with this theory that would drove alcoholics, they were talking about alcoholics at the time, back again and again to their dysfunctional behavior was because they were really thirsting for a sense of spiritual fulfillment and meaningfulness that comes along with a vibrant relationship with God, with a higher power. And the key component for us to get there is to learn how to play nicely in the sandbox, but not only to learn how to play nicely in the sandbox in terms of navigating challenging circumstances that comes later in addressing our defects of character and making an inventory of our mistakes. But it starts by getting real, getting honest, getting vulnerable, getting authentic, getting pnimi and seeing the pnimi of everyone all around us. Stepping back from a one-dimensional self-centered perspective to a three-dimensional spirit-centered perspective, God-centered perspective about me and about you and about life. And then everything changes. And there's still a ways to go. There's still work to be done. There's more to be revealed, but the journey has begun. The great and awesome spiritual voyage of finding our place in the world begins by opening our hearts to others. That's what we learned from step five. And maybe that's why Hill Azakin said it's everything and all else is merrily commentary. Thanks for listening to the Consciously Podcast. Consciously is a project of the Living Group. 
which is a division of our place, New York, and made possible by the kindness of the Capellius family, in memory of Tsipora Basravaro. The host of Consciously is Menachem Posnansky. If you've enjoyed this podcast, you can give us a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe on Apple, Google, Spotify, or Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcast. We sincerely welcome and appreciate your feedback, so please feel free to email or on our Instagram and Facebook pages. Oh,